when you start to feel like things should have been better this year, remember the mountains and valleys that got you here. They are not accidents, and those moments weren't in vain. You are not the same. You have grown and you are growing. You are breathing, you are living. You are wrapped in endless, boundless grace. And things will get better. There is more to you than yesterday. Hi, I'm Derek Mills. Welcome to the Glow Podcast. Lisa joins me in a conversation with Morgan Harper Nichols, an incredibly talented artist, poet, and musician. This is a very lovely conversation, and I'm pretty confident it will make your heart glow. We talk about the power of storytelling to generate empathy, on how empathy breathes space and wisdom into the sometimes harsh realities of the world, on how empathy expressed can help excavate our past to strengthen our connections with each other in the present. In a vulnerable and beautiful conversation, Morgan shares how certain childhood experiences influence her art. She reads some of her poetry and sings an acapella version of her song, Tell the Story. You'll hear how she finds beauty in many things, on how nature can teach us, open us, to create a permission and wonder. I hope you enjoy our conversation. Well, hi everyone. Morgan Harper Nichols is here with us today. Hi, Morgan. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. Hi, Morgan. Hello. <laughs> We're grateful for the opportunity to spend time with you today. So thank you for being here with us. We greatly appreciate you and your work. For those of you not familiar with Morgan, she is an artist poet, and musician. Her work is inspired by stories, conversations, and every day. In 2017, she invited people around the world to share their triumphs, stories, and struggles anonymously through her website. And she drew inspiration from these stories to create lyrical letters and illustrations with an emphasis on love, community, and support. Morgan, when you are expressing through your art, your words, illustrations, your songs, your energy comes through. It truly feels genuine and direct from the heart, like your soul is speaking to the hearts and souls of those interacting with your art. It feels like with each piece of art you put out into the world, you are giving the heart of humanity a hug. Like an alchemist taking experiences of suffering and weaving in the gifts of bravery, hope, unity, resiliency, ultimately transforming fear into love. So I appreciate your heart and your sincerity and your willingness to be vulnerable, I cry, <laughs> your deep level of empathy and compassion. It's welcoming and allows others to feel safe being vulnerable. And I think people can recognize themselves in you and in what you express. So to sum all that up, I feel like you find the beauty and gifts from the struggle and bring them to life or sometimes just holding space and grace for moments when it's hard to find the gifts and the good. You say that you see art making as a way to connect with others, to stay curious and to grow empathy. And I feel that. Mm. Well, thank you. I, I think I'm just taking in what you said. So thank you for that. I, you know, in real time, it's sometimes hard to feel as though 
it's connecting always, you know, in, in the way that it, it does in the long run. So it just means a lot to hear what what is my hope that people do connect on a, on a meaningful way. Like it's, it just means a lot to hear that reflected back to me. So thank you so much. Absolutely. Thank you. Yeah. So that is my hope. Soak <laughs> up all the goodness, all the love. Thank you. Yeah. It's, you're putting it out. It's coming right back to you. Um, well, let's dive into some questions. Yeah. So as Lisa and I were preparing for this, we were considering a variety of ways of starting off with you. And you've done so many great interviews where you share your story and your background, but so much of your new book is about an aspect of your childhood. And so I thought we would just start from the beginning. And, you know, in one of your poems uh, in your new book titled, How Far You Have Come, Musings on Beauty and Courage, you note when you encounter any glimpse of childhood, let it in. And towards the beginning of your book, you share, we have to train ourselves to look for light and hope no matter if we're moving at our preferred pace or not. And that by the age of six, you know, you'd mentioned that the, that lesson or those lessons, um, you know, were well on their way to seeping in for you. And, but you're also at the same time, very clear that it's not just an inward journey. You also say that to reflect on our lives, we must look outside of ourselves. And you know, as I mentioned, parts of your childhood permeate your whole book. And so, I'm wondering, can you share what it was about your childhood and your character that helped form the early foundation of, you know, for your art as it is today and, and how you see the world? Yes, that's such a good question. I had a lot of time to use my imagination as a kid. <laughs> I have one sibling and we were homeschooled. So I actually spent a lot of time my everyday life was a lot of, it, there wasn't a lot of interaction with a lot of other kids, especially when I was much younger. So for me, it was, okay, if, if life's going to be interesting, I've got to use my imagination. So <laughs> I wrote a lot of stories as a young kid. I, I don't know why, but I was really intrigued by I think the book, I've never talked about this before, but I think the book Madeline had a lot of influence on me, like this concept of this little girl going to the school. So a lot of my stories were set in England for some reason. And they were like <laughs> little children, oftentimes orphan children. And my mom told me later, she was like, yeah, I was a little concerned. Like, why are all of your characters orphans but when I look back on that I even though I did have both my parents there I think a lot of it was just like this little kid who may feel alone in the world and I think that that's a lot of what I felt like because um, my parents were also pastors and the church environment was it was a small church in a very big community and a lot of the people that came to the church were a lot of kids that would just kind of walk in off the street. And there was just so much diversity there. But at the same time, I didn't really always feel like I had a lot of friends my age, because even the kids that I were around, they were, they, a lot of times they were coming without their parents. Like they were just kind of coming in. So I really struggled with feeling alone a lot. And I found, I found a friend in having an imagination. I would just come up with stories. I I still vividly remember 
dreams from as I was a kid and they still impact my creativity today. So it was a huge, um, yeah, it was just very twofold. It was, it was a struggle, but at the same time, it was, um, it, it opened up the door to, to make up friends. I had very, <laughs> I, I spent a lot of time on imaginary friends. I would, I mean, oh goodness. I mean, they had first, first, last middle names, backstories. I mean, it was, it was elaborate. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I say all that to say, because when I see what I'm doing today, I'm like, I don't know if I'm doing, if what I'm doing is that different. Um, because unfortunately, like I, that theme of feeling alone, that's something that I have felt a lot in my life. Um, and it has been through writing and putting things into words and making art that I've been able to find connections. So yeah, that's a big theme in my childhood. And, and it's in the book too. That's kind of the first time that I really kind of let loose and decided to talk about these things. And I definitely approached it thinking, I don't know how much people are going to connect with this, but I, I hope that it connects with at least some part of other people's childhood that was that was something, or just when you were younger, something that you just want to hold on to. So, yeah. That's and great. you had so much support from your mother, it sounds like, to create every yeah. day. Yes. And the older I've gotten, the more I see that as very pivotal that both of my parents were super encouraging to my sister and I to to use our imaginations and be creative because I've I, I love to help other people just, ex, you know, express themselves, whether it's just through journaling or whatever. And it breaks my heart the amount of times I've heard from people that says, no, I was actively discouraged from being creative or writing, or I was literally told, don't do that. Like that's bad. And that just, that breaks my heart. So I, I definitely, um, know for a fact that having that at a young age, being encouraged at a young age has had definitely had a huge pack on it for sure. I wonder, I was just thinking more about empathy in those tender young ages when we're really starting to gain awareness from curiosity and so if we could dive a little bit into to your new book, How Far You've Come. So you do share you know, some of your childhood, and, and I think it's beautiful, and I think a lot of people can relate to what you say about feeling alone. Even with all the love and support around you, there are certainly those moments where you just feel alone in the world. Um, but there are a couple pivotal moments in your book when at a young age, you really seem to start to gain awareness and feel empathy and compassion, particularly for people that you've never met before. And these moments brought me to tears in your book reading this. You write about the impact of seeing a small picture of slaves in an encyclopedia. So there was particularly a little black girl about your age at the time. And you seem to start wondering what life may have been like for her. And I wonder if you wouldn't mind just reflecting on that moment for you. And I'd love to read a passage, if it's okay with you, from, from the book on that as well. But maybe just hear from you first, just about that experience of seeing, seeing this picture, as you mentioned, just sort of off to the side in the bottom, blurry, and how that maybe influenced sort of the beginning of really starting to feel what others might have gone through that you've never really have known before. 
Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, with, I feel like with a vivid imagination, which I definitely had as a kid, also comes curiosity and just like an eagerness to learn, which I feel like in some way, you know, lots of kids have that. A lot of kids are, you know, when we're younger, we're just like, well, why is this this way? Or, you know, why do people do this or do that? So I was definitely asking a lot of those questions about everything. <laughs> when I was younger, my parents said that I was always asking a lot of questions. And I used to just pick up encyclopedias and history books and just flip through and just try to put the pieces together, even though I couldn't fully understand or read all of the words. And there was an image of of a little black girl who was a slave that just she was an, a part of a, a group photo with other slaves, and it was just something so striking about seeing a, a slave my age around my age that just filled me with so much. On one hand, just anger that that was her story, and also just this that I, I think only could have come up this way as a child, this sort of hopeful imagination of like, well, what if her life had been better? Like, or what if it ended in a different way? So I used to just kind of make up stories in my mind. And I think it kind of even sort of connects with the whole thing I was saying about, you know, orphan children of just like this child who had big questions and was seeing things that no child should have to live through. I was, I, I, I was like, I, I don't know. I just feel compelled to at least imagine something better mm-hmm. for that child, even though I physically can't do anything about it. I can't go back in time and change it. Mm-hmm. So I would say even today, my imagination is very fueled by that. And, and when I was getting ready to, when I was writing this book, I was thinking of significant moments that I've had in all of the different states and landscapes that I've, that I write about in the book. And that one, I just couldn't stop thinking about it. I was like, I don't even know if this is a story because it doesn't end with anything that I can say declaratively. And then I found the girl and this is what happened. No, it doesn't end with that. (laughs) I don't know. She was nameless. However, that story to me is just such a reminder of the importance of imagination because it's, we all have, we encounter these stories where we don't get to know what happened. We don't get to see how it ends. And the best we can do is just imagine a, a future where stories like that have better endings Mm -hmm. to imagine better endings i i think that's really important and of course i wouldn't have used that language as a child but i think that that's where i i was headed (laughs) i was headed in that direction i didn't know it but um yeah well you you went right to her i feel like right to the heart of her and just like enveloped her in love and if it's okay i'll just read just a passage from from this part um I want to write stories to change her history, referring to this girl. What stories might she have written had she been allowed to write? What discoveries might she have made if her travels were not solely an escape at night? I think of the unmarked white pages of the journal she might have 
and the black ink that she would put on that page with eloquence and grace. Maybe she would build her own encyclopedia of stories, worthy of beautiful black binding. I will never know who she really was, but I believe in her power to speak. Mm. Yeah. So beautiful. And, and thank you. Thank you for, for sharing that story with us now and, and in the book. And for anyone listening, you're, you're going to have your heartstrings pulled. It's just, it's just gorgeous reading this book. I also seemed that the exercise of going to, or the experience rather, of going to New Orleans after Katrina. And even there, even though it was, three, I think you mentioned three years after the initial storm came through, seeing the devastation and what that experience was like and how that potentially shaped, like what, were, what was it like for these folks when the storm was actually coming through? What were the immediate days after like for these folks and for the children in particular? Yeah. I wonder if you could just reflect on that experience for a moment. Yes, I was very grieved by everything that happened in in New Orleans with the hurricane and feeling very similar when when I did go of of just wanting a better ending for something that already ended in tragedy and that's just such a such a weird place to be because it's you know when you encounter death and you encounter like those big final moments like that you're just like oh because is there something I could have done and I think that and I was experiencing all those emotions you know as a college student and you know in contrast to the Mississippi story by that point you know I'm a bit more cynical if you will I'm a bit more trying to piece it together intellectually rationally and just getting frustrated by running to dead ends, even with that. Um, and, and I think it's just, it's interesting because I feel like what I felt there, like I felt that many other times in my life, but it was just very clear because I was, I was alone. I was kind of separate from my other friends on the trip and I was just, kind of forced to just sit with those feelings like there was no there it wasn't a setting where I could talk to locals or I could interact with people um and it was just a moment for whatever reason where I think I was kind of just alone with my own thoughts and alone with my own frustration for not being able to do more mm -hmm. so it's even interesting talking about it now because it's like wow, okay, yep, I have felt that way <laughs> again and again many years after that sophomore in college moment. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, and I even think that that's what kept me writing these stories and wanting to share these stories because they're very hard to, to write because I don't share a ton of my personal life and that hasn't been something that I've done in a while. But mm -hmm. one thing that did keep me going, even just through that story, was you know, especially considering everything we've gone through as humans over the past year. It's just that that emotion, that feeling of, I don't know what to do. I don't know what I can do. I think that that's something that is timeless and, and isn't bound to a, an age. I mean, we all kind of circle back to that feeling for different for different reasons, whether it's on a global scale, a national scale, or even just interpersonally. So 
yeah that's the i feel like that's the emotion of that story as well of, of just learning how to tackle that that feeling of i don't know what to do mm-hmm. as someone who's growing up mm-hmm. and I, I feel like and that's kind of why i said exercise like you're starting to exercise this this empathy muscle if you will like you're just starting to gain more awareness by practicing curiosity you're starting to take it in and feeling it in the heart and just imagining what life may have been and then from that the imagination again as you said starts to kick in and you imagine all these stories and then that even imagining can even crack your heart open even more right and then yeah. it just keeps flowing from there and, and onward absolutely i think that i think that the more you set the word awareness which i really like because i think the more you become aware of things empathy starts to kind of naturally arise mm-hmm. and you may not even like I didn't, I never necessarily called myself like, oh, I'm empathetic. Like that wasn't necessarily something that I gave to myself. It was other people saying, you seem to have a lot of empathy. And I'm like, what do you mean? Like, what are you talking about? Like, I feel like I'm the most cynical person like there is. Like I think about way too many things. I'm like, well, but that's exactly it. It's like, I become aware of all of this stuff. And then once you get down to the bottom of it, you start to see the humanity and you start to see people for who they are and that's where empathy kind of ignites so yeah i think i i definitely didn't realize i was practicing empathy um Mm -hmm. in that moment i was just frustrated uh, at the outcome of of this hurricane and but it's like that is sort of like the basis of you know entering into empathy yes it seems all have served you well to be doing the work you're doing today in the world so it's beautiful Thank you. I wonder if this might be a good time, if you're open to it, Morgan, to share your poem, For the One Who Came Before Me. Yes. For the one who came before me, without photographs or birth certificates or wedding photos to commemorate her life, I will hold her in my memory. I will make room for her struggle, her strength, her story. Perhaps this is the gift of creating, the ability to make space for songs unsung and memories untold. Creating allows a new narrative to unfold beyond words, beyond records. Empathy meets imagination. Looking back, bursting into compassion, a different kind of history, her story. How can I bring her with me? Sorry. <laughs> Thank no. you for sharing that. Oh, and I was you. listening with my eyes closed, so I was really taking it in, I think, even deeper. But mm. oh, it's so beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Yeah, just let that one breathe for a while. We have the digital copy of your book, so we're looking forward to having the the print uh-huh. version to, to buying it when it's out. So, it's, oh, you know, thank you. Yes, I can't art. wait for you to have it as well. You mentioned a moment ago, dead ends, and that makes me think of a moment in your book. It's uh, and you also mentioned the the timeless uh, human condition experiences, and, and this story is is one of those where 
you share how the MBA applications are piling up on your desk. And at some point in that chapter or passage, you reflect on, you know what, it's time to grow up. And, you know, a few paragraphs later, you speak to how you could not escape yourself. You couldn't escape your flaws. And it was around that time where you posted the Remember the Mountains and Valleys that brought you here poem. And what I love so much about this part of your story is there's a paradox there. Like paradoxically, like part of the work of growing up for you was to actually choose a path that would allow you or that was you following your duty, not someone else's duty. And you write specifically, I believe we have a duty to connect, a duty to share, a duty to create in our calling, whatever that might be. And what I'm curious, while I'm reading that, I was curious, you know, how is your sense of what it means to grow up or to be in this continuous process of always growing up evolved since you posted that first poem? Mm. The first word that comes up, honestly, is surrender. <laughs> I had to surrender to the fact that, okay, yes, on one hand, you have this sort of rational game plan, this approach of like, oh, if you can't find a job, now it's time to go back to school. Like if you can't, if things aren't working out, then look for another job. Those are all very practical, rational things, and there's nothing inherently wrong with them. And at the same time, there's this whole other, <laughs> there's this whole other path that you can't really predict and it's not really all up to you which is terrifying i mean i i'm an artist but i also like love a good schedule and a good okay i'd like to know what we're going to be doing for <laughs> for the next few months or years i i i like that um however we just don't get that for everything it's really tough so for me, I feel like that moment was coming to a crossroads of accepting that. It's like, yes, you went to school. Yes, you gave your all in the music industry. Yes, you did all these things. And at the same time, you're just going to have to let go and see what happens. So that was me learning that. And I feel like I'm still learning that. It's very hard because it's, um, while I do love, um, like, I have an online shop, I have an app, I have all these things. Like, while I do love that, I also do crave consistency and stability and all those things, which once you kind of start your own thing, that just becomes scarier. You know, it's, it's, it's scarier and a lot more of, you know, just thinking day to day of like, you know, there's, there's no like other person who like sends me a check in the mail like every two months and it's like, <laughs> here's your salary. It's like, no, I'm involved in that. Like it's very, it's just a lot of work. So yeah, I feel like that was, it's interesting too. Cause I'm like that book, I, I didn't even think about this with the book. Like, cause that happens kind of in the middle when I'm living in Texas mm -hmm. and I was literally mm -hmm. me coming to the middle ground of realizing okay, yes, there is this structure and this path that you've taken because you're like, that's what you do to be responsible. But then it's like, 
you're literally going to go west and it's just going to <laughs> be a pretty wild experience and you're just going to have to go with it. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I hope that answered the question because I'm like, that's something I feel like I'm still figuring out in real time. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I think you know, per part of what Lisa was saying earlier is like, part of what you grant is permission to be constantly growing up and to be constantly mm -hmm. engaged in that process of excavating what no longer serves or excavating what is unseen yeah. so that we can grow, learn, build. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I, I love that. It's so, it's so true. It's, and I feel like growing up or at least healthy growing up is, is embracing both. Yeah. It's, it's embracing. Yes, we're, we've learned so much. We have our experiences and at the same time, it's like, we're all still don't know what we're doing. Like <laughs> it's both like, we know what we're doing, but we don't know what we're doing. So yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And you know, I'm thinking just now as we're talking, you know, so much in your writing, the concepts of the in-between moments, the liminal moments, like the cracks in the rock, uh, the union spots where parts of nature meet other parts of nature, you know, these connections between people, like you're inviting us to constantly be aware of and be considering, you know, how our bodies are meeting the world and interacting with the world and to constantly uncover and be curious about the ways that we can grow. And, and that's a moment to moment experience. I'm guessing that because our world needs so much of that right now, that's part of why your work is resonating with so many people. Mm -hmm. I don't have a question there. It's more of an observation. Yeah, it's well, thank you for the observation. I am I am very interested in in what connects us and and also the connection of between, like you said, kind of like between humans and nature and nature and nature. And that's something that, especially over the past year, um, while I was working on this book, I was craving more and more. I was not traveling like I used to and kind of missing like one of my favorite moments. I'm I'm just like the classic cliche window seat grabber. I'm that person on the plane. Like I want to sit by the window. I want to watch all the clouds go by. I want to watch <laughs> any little bit of sunset or sunrise I can get. Um, I, I crave those moments. Um, I have, I, I'm a very visual memory. I have a memory of, of being on a plane at, at sunrise and, and the pilot was saying over, over the thing, they were like, everyone look at the sunrise. Like it doesn't always look this way. Like, look, 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 look. And I still, I still remember just because of this very visual memory. I remember turning around, I was sitting toward the front and I remember turning around and seeing everybody like lifting up their windows, like all look out. And it's just like, when, when would all of us with all these different backgrounds, all these different stories, all these different itineraries be looking in the same direction at something like this? And it's <laughs> like, I don't know. I just love moments like that. <laughs> and I just feel like we, especially these days, we don't have them as much. We don't have moments of like, okay, at least we all have this together. At least we all can connect in this present moment, even if it's just a flicker in time that most people may not even remember. I think all that matters. Um, 
So that's why, like, when I was writing this book, I, I kind of really leaned into, okay, what are the physical landscapes that I've been on and what have they taught me? And the cool thing about that is like, wow, millions, billions of other people have been on these exact same landscapes. Like the experience that I have looking at the Sandia Mountains in New Mexico, how many other people have seen these mountains? How many other people have encountered this? So yeah, that's why I just, I don't know. I just, I don't get tired of talking about it because I feel like the possibilities are really endless around what connects us which it doesn't feel that way when you look on the internet, but it's there. <laughs> right. Those moments where we are collectively spontaneously celebrating and being in a moment of awe together uh, around something that's not uh, 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 tied to a specific belief system or a particular dogma. Yeah, I can see why that, that was very special for you. The poet laureate of Arizona, where I live, I'm not, I think he, I don't know if he's currently, um, but Albert Rios, he has a poem where he says in there um, that like the sky, I'm paraphrasing, but he says the sky has no borders. And I just love that because it's, it's like, yeah, you know, humans, you know, we're really good at putting up our borders. This is mine. This is yours. Stay away. Um, but it's like, yeah, the sky is still like this one space where you look up and it's and it goes on and on and on it has no borders and i just i love that um you know obviously it's as we grow up you know it's kind of harder to hold on to those things so i mm. yeah i just love thinking about that no those are important reminders and yeah even looking up at the moon at night like who's who's on the other side of the oh, world looking yes. at this moon as well right now what are they yes. thinking and what are they dealing with in their life and yeah, that's beautiful. I think maybe this is a good moment to dive into the mountains and valley poem that Derek was just referring to, because yeah. it seems like this was a pivotal moment for you as well. Um, when through this poem, because correct me if I'm wrong, but this was the first poem that you had actually put your name next to before releasing it out into the world. Is that is that right? Yes, I had been at different points, writing different things, sharing different things, but attaching my name to it was a challenge for me. And for whatever reason, with this poem, it was a kind of a last minute decision to write my name on it. Like a little scribbled afterthought, like, yes, here you go, and, really and out does. into the world yes. it goes. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> yes, because if you look at the original image i didn't even write it directly underneath the end of the poem which is what you would do if you're writing a poem line by line i just kind of wrote it off to the side in all lowercase letters it was definitely an afterthought i barely 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 did it but yeah i, I did well that so that that poem i think um proved to have great significance it sounds like um and we weren't when you put it out into the ethers, so to speak, it took a journey and a life of its own. Yes, um, all on its, its own. <laughs> it seemed to have an impact that you weren't expecting. And I wonder if you could share just a moment about that. Yes. Yeah, so I, I wrote this poem and it was kind of a, 
I, I feel like this is such a cliche joke, but I think it's it's just such a, but it's true. I, I really do think it was like the millennial in me that was like, okay, you wrote it, like take a picture of it, like, <laughs> like make it a moment. So I did it. I, I don't know. I'm just like, you know, we're, I'm in my twenties with an iPhone. That's just kind of what happens. You take pictures of everything. So I took a picture of it and I got ready to share it on Instagram. And then at the last second i was like i don't know if i want to share it there too many people <laughs> i know are over there this is a little bit more vulnerable than i usually am because the poem is about kind of feeling like a failure and feeling like i had put so much into being an artist and i had let everyone down that's how i felt and i i wasn't ready to share that with everyone so I put it on Pinterest because at the time I was just using Pinterest personally and kind of passively. I wasn't, I didn't have like, you know, it was actively engaged there. So I shared it on Pinterest and that was in November of 2016. And it was in January of 2017 that it, I ended up finding out that it had been repinned over a hundred thousand times. And I found out because it had, it started to show up on Instagram. Other people were sharing it. And people that I knew were saying, hey, there's this, there's this poem that I saw <laughs> on someone's page and your name was on it. Did you write that poem? And I was like, oh, well, I guess it's out there now. So yeah, I still don't know. I still do not know. Like I, I, I remember Pinterest used to have where you could kind of see like, you know, all the people who had shared it. I could not, never figured out how it took off, quote unquote, or what happened there. Oh, I think that's cool, though. That's part of the mystery and magic to it all. Yeah, it's part of the and and I'm glad that I had that moment. And since then, I've had other moments like that, where to me, it is that surrender thing. It's like, wow, you really could give your absolute best to something and it could totally flop or you could barely put something out there. And that ends up being the thing that takes off. Like it is it is very humbling. It's as if the collective consciousness or something, they really like people really needed to hear or read what you had to say in that moment because they're ultimately feeling something similar. And so to have that something to relate to coming from such a lovely, relatable person, you know, coming from the heart. Um, Do you mind reading the poem that we're referring to? The Mountains and Valleys poem? Yes, of course. When you start to feel like things should have been better this year, remember the mountains and valleys that got you here. They are not accidents, and those moments weren't in vain. You are not the same. You have grown and you are growing. You are breathing, you are living. You are wrapped in endless, boundless grace. And things will get better. There is more to you than yesterday. See, a hug, <laughs> a hug for humanity. It's so beautiful. Your voice too is like a hug, I have to say. It's <laughs> like a big, warm, cozy hug, comforting and it's lovely. Well, thank you. I actually feel that way about both of you all's voices, just oh, being honest. <laughs> Seriously, I'm like, this is very calming. I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, I've been enjoying listening to your podcast because uh, I tend to listen to podcasts right before I go to sleep and when I wake up when preparing for an interview. And your voice is um, 
it's so lovely. It's good to actually fall asleep to for anyone looking oh. <laughs> to, to use your podcast for another use you probably did not intend. <laughs> no, I actually did think about that with, because lately I've been doing these episodes where I just read some poetry and a, and a prose piece. And I've thought about, I was like, you know, I know I personally, I love to listen to I listen to a lot of like high energy people podcasts because I have very, I feel like I have very low energy. So I kind of have to turn on other voices who can kind of hype me up a bit. But I started thinking about it. I was like, oh, there's probably some people who may be looking for something to kind of help calm them down. So that is kind of my approach. I'm like, yeah, this is just for those moments where you just kind of want to breathe there and, you know, you don't have to just some kind of, you know, let go in that moment. So yeah, that means a lot to hear. I'm, I see all that to say, I am okay if you use my podcast to fall asleep. <laughs> <laughs> I'm totally okay with that. <laughs> or to ground you at any moment of yes. nervousness, et cetera. <laughs> Morgan, do you feel um, your work is resonating with people right now more than ever as we're craving connection and feeling the pains of human suffering on deep levels. I feel like with every report of a shooting, racial injustice, learning about the health of our planet or the lack of the health of our planet, our individual hearts and collective heart just keeps breaking and cracking open more and more. I think it's important we call out those fears and honor the suffering in order to bring them to light and to heal. Mm, it's, I totally agree with that. It was interesting. This happened last year, but it feels like ages ago. But my last book, I had a book come out called All Along Year Blooming, which is poetry and art as well. It came out the very beginning of 2020. And I did something that authors are not supposed to do. And I went and read the reviews on Amazon. <laughs> And one of the early reviews was a one-star review and someone was saying, I feel like this book just sounds like someone who sits at home all the time. It doesn't do anything and everything is just going bad in their life. That was their review. Mm. And I was like, well, funny enough, a month later <laughs> after they said that, that was when the lockdown started. And I just thought that was interesting because I have, my mom has a chronic illness and she has spent a lot of time in lockdowns in her life, not being able to do things she used to be able to do, not having answers, not knowing when she was going to get help for things. And I've had other people in my life who just had things like that where they it was just hands tied at home. And, and I think about those stories, one, because it's my mom who I'm close to and also other people who've shared their stories with me. I think about people like that when I'm writing all the time. So I think about people who have experienced the loss of loved ones um, because of people that I've lost in my own life. So I am very conscious of, I mean, for lack of better words, the worst case scenario when I'm writing all the time. Um, being a black person, I'm thinking about racial injustice all the time. I'm, I have a black son and he's a toddler, but I think about his safety. And so for me, it's on one hand, there's a lot of maybe anxiousness and fear that comes with that, but it also makes me very aware that at any given moment when I'm 
whether I'm writing something in my book or I'm sharing it on social media, that someone might be reading this after after receiving the worst possible news um, or the best possible news. Like it's, it's, it's both could be possible. So yeah, I, I feel like I've gotten a lot of feedback over the past year, um, but people saying, wow, like it, it seems like you were writing for this moment. And, and of course I had no idea what was going to happen, but I definitely do write about loss. I definitely do write for people who are, maybe at home when they're not wanting to be at home and not able to do the things they want to do. So yeah, I I think about that a lot. And that is honestly something that I want to continue to write about even as we, you know, hopefully are, you know, reaching the end of this, hopefully. <laughs> and I think about, you know, there might be a brief period where maybe not as many people are resonating with messages of slowing down because they're like, nope, I don't want to slow down. I got places to be, things to go, you know, things to do. But there it's going to be, there are people who are still dealing with chronic illness who may not be able to go out or there are people who may still have some something, you know, maybe they, they lost a loved one and they're 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 the person who has to go in and and clean up the house so it's not all you know and, and get rid of things it's it's not all just like okay everyone's gonna go out and have fun and make up for lost time i i do feel called in a sense to steal right also for those people who who may be entering uncertain seasons even as this one big thing kind of changes. So mm -hmm. I don't know if that makes sense. It does make sense. Even for those that are in a season of adventure and life and travel, and none of us are immune to these life-changing moments, whether it happens gradually or just smacks us in the face. Either way, you know, the medicine that you offer is is needed. And the good thing is it's out in the world and your new book's coming out into the world. And so the tools are out there and the the messages are out there to bring comfort and hope. I'm just grateful for the gifts you're putting out into the world. They're just, it's so, this medicine is needed for sure. Thank you. Well, thank you for, for saying that. And I, as you were talking about, you know, the, the adventure side of things and those who are maybe in that place, I, it reminded me of something I shared late last year that I think was probably one of my most popular shared pieces last year. And it was um, fully grieve your losses and also fully, fully full feel the full weight of your joys mm. and I think about that a lot of of like we're all going to be experiencing some level of the joys and the sorrows and there's absolutely room for all of that I wonder maybe this is a good moment if you wouldn't mind touching on the recent diagnosis of autism and just what that journey has been like for you. Yeah. Yeah. So I was diagnosed with autism a few, almost two months ago, a few months ago. And I, that came after a lot of going back and forth since childhood of my parents thinking that it could be a possibility that I was on the spectrum, but just back in the 90s and even just being a female and being a black female it was just very challenging lots of 
uh, dismissal and, oh no, there's nothing wrong with her. Like she's fine. And um, yeah, I, I just sort of learned how to, how to work my way through life, even with, though I had a lot of challenges that and struggles that I didn't have name a name for um, and feeling very alone. I, I learned how to kind of, kind of hide it all inside and, and just sort of put the responsibility on myself that it was up to me to fix all of this. And then when I was 27, I kind of reached a breaking point where I just felt like, like, I, I felt like I was struggling with anxiety, but I was like, it feels like there's some other layer of something, but I don't really know what it is. So I started looking into, um, you know, autism spectrum again, and I finally got the courage to ask my doctor if um, just my primary care doctor, I was like, I don't know if this is a possibility, but I would love to at least talk to someone about possibly being on the spectrum. And before I could barely get the words out of my mouth, he was just like, oh, there's nothing wrong with you. You're perfectly normal. And unfortunately, I took his word. And I just sort of said, oh, well, I guess it's on me to just fix whatever's wrong with me. And I'm clearly just not doing my part. And it wasn't until last year when I was on TikTok and videos showed up of women who were talking about their experience with being diagnosed with autism as adults. And I watched those videos and said to myself, these, these women are describing my whole life. Like this is, this is me. And I know at this time. Mm. So thankfully I got the courage to just Google once more and, and, and find a specialist in my area. And I was able to get an appointment and that started a whole, a whole several month process of, of getting diagnosed. And it's just been, I mean, it was very challenging because I mean, it was, it was digging deep into, and this is probably why I could speak so much about my childhood. Cause I'm like, I just went through this whole thing of going through every little facet of my life. And yeah, it was very hard to, to go back and look at all of that. But at the same time, I can, I can honestly see I, the, after my, the specialist read the diagnosis, which was like the size of a textbook, I feel like it was, it was a lot of things, a lot to take in that I'm still taking in. And she looked at me and said, and it's not your fault. Mm. And that just, yeah, no one had ever said that to me before. Mm -hmm. So sort it was of a, um, release. a weight lifted. Yeah. It was, I had gotten so used to just putting so much responsibility on myself of, oh, this is your fault. You need to fix it. You need to fix this, this and that. And it's like, or there's a lot of other things going on and you're just learning it for the first time. And there's so much grace to work through it. So that's what led me to wanting to share it share the deck because I, I wasn't sure I wasn't gonna, I wasn't sure that I wanted to share the diagnosis at first because mm -hmm. it's just so personal and so huge um but at the same time it was like if I can help someone else struggle a little less and if I can 
help someone else find the courage to seek help, um, then it's worth it. So, yeah. That's beautiful. I, I agree with you. If, if, if one person, you know, can be impacted by you sharing your experience and all the better for it. Mm-hmm. So thank you for your, your bravery and sharing. I know I have a, a bit knowing of what that feels like just in sharing about my, my autoimmune stuff. And so I, I appreciate that. And I feel like, at least I get the sense that through the process of the diagnosis and what's to come, you're just going to serve your work that much more now. I don't know if you feel that. Yes, I I feel that way so much. Um, there's there's a lot that I kind of hold back in talking about sometimes because I've said, well, I don't know if other people will connect with this. Like this is sort of like a weird thing, and one of those areas has just been what I've dealt with um, socially and with communication. That's a pretty big part of what a lot of people on the spectrum deal with is just not always picking up on social cues and and having a lot of challenges with with like making friends and things like that so i i did a i did a poll once like on my instagram story asking i was like did and this is before a diagnosis but i was like i was like did anybody struggle with making friends growing up and like 60 percent of people said yes i did but I just kept thinking about that 40%. I'm like, what did these people, like, what is that? Like, you didn't struggle with this? Like, I, I'm just so mystified. So there's a lot of times where I would even like, well, I don't want to say this because there's 40% of people who are clearly fine and don't struggle with making friends. Um, but it's like, Morgan, 60% of people, that's, that is not a small number. Talk about it. Talk about how awkward you have felt. And and yeah, so even now I, I feel like I am writing more about, um, cause I, I'm not saying they're not out there, but I, I read a lot and I have not found that many books even on just talking about like the sheer awkwardness that so many people feel around like friendships and maintaining friendships with all of the, the texting and the emailing that we have, <laughs> there's just so much. And I think I've spent so much time getting caught up on like the people that don't struggle with it, that it's mm-hmm. like, okay, let's, even if other people, you know, even if they're not autistic, like there is something to that and you can speak to that. You're allowed to talk about that. So yeah, that's just one little area that I've just been diving into more. And, and I, and I feel like I know that I'm kind of on to something at least in terms of vulnerability, because I'll start to kind of like squirm in my seat. I'm like, oh, I don't know if I want to write this. Like, this is, like It seems or, like leaning into the gifts, the gifts and the blessings yeah. from, from it, even though it doesn't always maybe feel like a gift and a blessing. Oh, but, yeah. But they're there. Yeah. I, I just have to remind myself of, it's like, remember when you were a freshman in college and you just felt like you were doing it all wrong? Yeah, right for her. That's mm-hmm. who so yeah. yeah and you show that in your book a little bit oh yeah that's yes. powerful i was, do <laughs> was there a specific poem that you wrote right after the diagnosis um that's such a good yeah. question i didn't write for a very long time after actually um 
Yeah, I'm trying to think what was the first thing that I wrote. It's probably really a moment of curious. like integration of taking in the information and just, you know, letting it sit with you for a second. Yeah. I wonder about the poem that ends with bringing courage to life and become who you were meant to be. Oh, yes. Okay. Let your weakness be the wellspring of your wonder. Let the gaps between the rocks become spaces where you are free to bring courage to life and become who you were meant to be. Okay, now I know why it took me a second because that one, I feel like there are some poems that I write. There's sometimes, and this happens even with journaling. There's sometimes where I write where I feel like I'm kind of pacing my way into like or or kind of like just pacing my way around some emotion and i'm like i'm kind of prancing around i don't really know what i'm writing and then there's some where it's like da, 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 and i kind of go deep down into something and this is one of those because so i think it kind of like it's like oh yeah that was kind of a, a deeper one that came from that because that bit about let the gaps between the rocks become the spaces where you are free is about that um, literal moment that I had at the Grand Canyon that I write about in the book of being a child, kind of encountering this, the Grand Canyon. And that moment was such a symbolic moment of, of um, freedom for me, and especially just creative freedom, creative permission, just I think it's literally because I feel like landscape itself can teach us and show us so much. And it's literally just that openness, that sort of broken openness to me that just gave me so much permission just as a little kid to just experience wonder. And that was super important because as a kid, I, I didn't have an official diagnosis back then, but I did struggle with some dyslexia and I'd struggled with reading and 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 processing words and all these different things and it was something about being at the grand canyon that just really i was able to experience something great without having to read without having to um i mean again i had undiagnosed autism i didn't know but like without having to talk to other people and follow the social cues Cause that's something that I was learning to do as a little girl, like, okay, you got to learn how kids like make friends with each other and you got to learn how to like be a normal kid. Um, and I was like, none of that matters here. For some reason in this open space, I feel connected. I feel like I'm a part of something bigger than me, but I'm not having to do all the other little things that I have to do in regular everyday life. It seemed like that moment was this whole new relationship with colors. Like, first of all, I felt the melted crayons on your hand from the previous pack in the car. Yes. And then but right after like, can I go get this new box of crayons? After having witnessed all these amazing colors that you had never fully maybe, maybe had seen, but not fully had taken in before or seen, yeah. it, seen in a different way this time, whatever it may have been. But it was, it seemed, and I, I, I know there's a message and, and you probably can reflect on it, but 
that 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 the using color now became a way of expressing your words that you weren't maybe at the time able to articulate your feelings. Yes, absolutely. And I think that color was a way that I could kind of take that moment with me. And it was a way that I could, that moment of just feeling like I could just, it's kind of hard to talk about, but here I am like filtering myself again, <laughs> trying to tell myself, right. filtering yourself, Morgan, because I'll do that. And I'm like, oh, because people probably won't understand. But the thing is, is, and now I know with autism is that one thing that I have struggled with and I, and I still struggle with is um, it takes me a minute to be verbal. And I, I would, my natural state would be to just kind of be in a place and just kind of what, what most people would just see is just staring. Like they would might just see, oh, she's just over there staring at a wall. But for me, I'm, that's, I'm processing. I'm fully present. I just, my natural state is not to start talking. I've learned to do that because I've learned that if you just stand there quietly, then you draw attention to yourself. So, um. I say all that to say that that experience of the Grand Canyon was, I can just be here. I don't have to talk. I don't have to, I don't have to do anything. I can just be. And I think in my kid brain, crayons was the closest I could get to taking that with me, being able to just color. It's like, I can just be, I don't have to socialize with these crayons. Like I could just <laughs> use them and just see what happens. Um, because I think, you know, little young Morgan is like, yeah, she knew that she couldn't be in that space all day, but to have that as much as I could was just so important. And yeah, of course I wouldn't have used that language as a kid, but it, it definitely, I'm so grateful that whatever those crayons gave me that, that, that that has persisted in my life. And I have kept finding those moments as I've gotten older. Yeah, and that landscape in particular has a very strong voice. Those rocks, the colors. There's an interesting combination of the, the melted crayons with some of that landscape appearing kind of melted and transforming almost before your eyes. Mm, I'm so glad you picked up on that. Yeah, I that that whole story came it it came the hardest and the easiest at the same time. It, it felt the most clear to me, I think. And I, I feel like I'm, I feel like I'm still learning from that moment of my life. I'm like, it was all those years ago. And I feel like every time I talk about it, I, I, I learned something new, which I, I just love that so much. It's, that's really cool to me. I love that too. I think that notion of looking back to an experience and taking it another layer you know, getting lessons from one layer and then actually excavating a little bit more like, hey, I'm going to hang out in this moment a little bit longer. There might be more there that I'm yeah. not quite seeing in this moment. And then inevitably, oh, there's another layer. Yes. I I have these stories where, well, I shouldn't even say stories. They're not stories yet. They're like just little glimpses from different moments of my life. And I don't know why they stand out to me. And so I'm just like, at some point, I'm going to be able to get to that <laughs> next layer and find out what it is. But um, yeah, I, I think that's, it's really fascinating. And I, I try to hold on to that because I like, I think many other maybe artists or creatives or anyone who just wants to find meaning in life really deal with sometimes is maybe feeling like we haven't lived enough or done enough. That's 
worth talking about or sharing. Mm. So I I love the idea of being able to constantly look back at the same moments and and learn more from them each time. Mm, I love that. It's pretty. I wonder um, if we could touch a bit on your singing, your your singing and songwriting, because your voice is gorgeous. Oh, thank you. I resonate so much. I mean, some people, I feel like, you know, everything is, it has a vibration and, and I just feel like your voice really resonates with me. Um, I could just listen to you sing or speak for a long, long time. And, and it just sits very well with me and in my heart. Um, so I've come to know your music through your YouTube channel. So I hope folks explore your YouTube channel because there's a whole vision board of goodness and artwork and song and you could just play around in your YouTube channel for hours. Um, so I wondered, well, I was going to see, ask if you could sing a song, see if you're interested in grabbing your guitar, but I, don't even I will know where say, it is. is that bad? No, it's not bad. <laughs> I, but I will tell you a few Somewhere of the songs the that I just love. Um, yeah, I would love to know. Okay. Baby, it's that simple and see the good. Mm which I love because you can't always see the good. Yeah. You know, um, especially when struck with crisis mm-hmm. and yeah, I could go on, but there in a, just in a general sense, it's often very hard to find the good. Mm-hmm. It sometimes comes later as we look back and excavate, as we've said before. Um, and that's where you sort of dig and you find the nuggets and the treasures and you can find the good. Oh yes. Mm. And then tell the story. Oh, that song's just gorgeous. Well, I, you know what? That yeah. one's acapella. Yeah. So. Oh, hello. <laughs> <laughs> I could sing some of it. That would be just well, a treat. It's so funny. I'm like, I feel like I just put myself on the spot. I'm like, did I just? <laughs> did I? Why did I? Do <laughs> Only what you were comfortable yeah, with. Yeah, but... I, I totally can. So you know, here's the thing. I know that song, but I'm just gonna um pull it up just yeah. just to just to give myself um <laughs> just to give myself a cushion um because um oh okay I got it cool. <laughs> Awesome. <laughs> Take it away whenever yeah, you're ready. You picked an acapella one. Yay. So there we go. <laughs> Remember the path beneath your feet. The things you have lived through, the things you have seen. You've been through so much on this long, narrow road. Oh, what a blessing you don't travel alone. May you tell the story of the mountains you climbed. May the wisdom you've gathered help others survive. May you tell the story of the mountains you've climbed. You're not alone now here with light as your guide. Oh, you are not alone. You are not alone. You are not alone. Thank you, Morgan. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) I knew I should have brought a tissue box in here. I actually had the thought before we started and I should have followed through on that. 
That's just beautiful. Um, so did I hear right? Have you been writing a song a day? <laughs> yes, I quit a few weeks ago, though. <laughs> but this but the having done this exercise, it sounds like and from previous um, songwriting that you have an album coming out. Yes. Yes, I'm so glad you know that because I was. Trying... <laughs> Yay! Yes, so I was. I, I said that I was going to write a song a day, a year, with the intention of writing my way to an album because I haven't released an album in many years because I've been focusing on poetry and art, and I was really kind of bummed because my schedule is just getting pretty busy, and it was shortly after my diagnosis I was just realizing that my day was just getting crazier and crazier and I needed to kind of tone things down so I was talking to my sister who's also a music artist and I was telling her I was I was just like oh I don't want to quit I I really wanted to and she said Morgan your intention was to write an album and you did that (laughs) like a few times over so (laughs) I think you're good Morgan so Yes, I'm working on a new album now and that that gave me a, a piece to to stop to stop the project but yeah, it, it taught me a lot. It taught me the reason why I wanted to do it and I had to do something that was kind of audacious was because I had gotten to a place where music was for me something that I had started to associate with the music industry and music is something that is Oh, I could go on and on about it. I mean, it's, it is so much more than that. <laughs> um, and so many people don't sing because they feel like they're not great vocalists, but it's like, no, what, what happens in the body is mm. what it's about. It's not always about the melody. I'm like, singing is like ancestral. Like I could go on and on about it. I'm like, there's so much there. So I just knew that I had to reconnect with that because I made it all about kind of like, oh, making an album, which is great. But that's not all that music is. So, yeah, I don't even, I, you didn't even ask me a question about that. I'm sorry. Well, no, I, I, like I said, your voice is gorgeous. I'm, is it weird to say I'm a little picky about voices? I don't, maybe some people are, some people are, I, I don't know. I do I'm think a, we have sensitivity to certain. Right? Resonance audio. and, like, oh, yeah. yeah. For sure. It's, and especially too, because when you, consider all of like the plugins and different ways that voices can be edited Mm. there's yeah there's some like frequencies that I that I have a hard time listening to so yeah I think that's a a real thing thank you for saying that yeah so there's I I guess a vibrational match if you will like Mm. the whatever vibration is coming from your soul up and through your throat chakra and out you know through the heart and out of your mouth is I am feeling that in my cells Mm. And wow. so this this is why I'm excited, so excited that you took the time to dive into this this exercise of a song a day and that the outcome was an album and potentially even, you know, more another album, who knows, because that sounds like a lot of songwriting. But um, is there are there any release dates or when you might record start recording or is there anything to share? Yes, we're looking for the summer. It's very interesting. Uh, again, my sister gets credit for this. She was like, "There's so many summer themes in the songs." I was like, huh. "I don't even I don't even do that in pur- on purpose." So um, she is a producer also, so she's actually helping me produce that. And so yeah, we're looking for a late a late summer release. So yeah, 
it'll be wonderful <laughs> i will be the first to sign up for that oh, album. Thank you. you wrote a song for your sister is that right that she sang for yes yes so we yeah i I've, I've written for her and um one of her um singles i i was a writer on and i got to be a part of it so yeah i i have and i think that one's called beautiful day and um but yeah i've written some other other songs with her for her and she's done the same so yeah we have a lot of fun with that (laughs) oh that's awesome it's nice to have someone you love and care about that you can connect creatively in those ways yes (laughs) what were you gonna say derek i just wanted to say that morgan you're the pilot asking us to roll up our window shades Thank you. <laughs> wow, that you have no idea how much that resonates. Wow. Thank you. Thank you. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just together. I'm so sorry. I, I don't even I don't normally do that. <laughs> I normally try to say something. That no, that's really, perfect. Uh, yeah that I feel like that that just sums up like my whole hope wow beautiful that's beautiful Uh, well Morgan um you offer so many tools and lessons that you've learned along the way you share those beautifully with others it's sort of a pay it forward everything it seems like you've taken in and that works for you and your creative process you want to share and offer those to others for instance I did the word cloud exercise with you I found that really helpful. (laughs) So I look forward to diving in more. But so most of those, from what I see, are offered via um, YouTube and and obviously via your podcast. Is that right? Yes, yes. I try to to make things available in different formats for different learners. So um, yes, pretty much um, on my YouTube channel, you can find some... I use the word tutorials just to categorize them, but they're don't be intimidated by them. Like if you're just a curious person looking for a creative exercise, like it's um, something I hope you can find. And I also do share some shorter versions, uh, creative exercises on Instagram as well. Um, I, I try to like make it very easy for people to like find their way into different creative practices. So yeah. And then, and then on my podcast as well yeah I do different um series and different prompts right now on my podcast I've been doing um journal prompts like at the end of every episode so it's either something you can journal about or just carry with you throughout the day I love questions so I love to offer questions and yeah that's great I think there's a lot of you know sort of bite-sized podcast episodes there where you can dive in for 15-20 minutes and there's so many great takeaways so that's a beautiful offering and then I also um, have your app Storyteller, which is really lovely. When those come in, it's it just brightens my day. So thank you for thank you. another beautiful way to experience your offerings. Mm, well, thank you. Yeah, that's that's a project that I'm I'm really passionate about because I I feel like like many people, we have these devices. Most of us have smartphones, tablets, computers, things and computers and things. And it's nice to have, you know, all these ways of connecting and, and discovering new things. But I do feel like sometimes maybe the more, the more busier places online, it could kind of be hard to focus on one thing at a time. So 
my hope is that with the app, people can, it's like, if you just want a moment, I have like a word of the day in there. I have a journal prompt in there. Um, I do an art piece every day, a poem every day, just something that you can just focus on just for that moment if you want to. Lovely. And then the book, How Far You Have Come, releases Into the World, April 27th. So yeah. we're excited for that. Um, and obviously that can be ordered through your website, morganharpernichols.com, right? Mm -hmm. Or through any, really any book provider that, that works. Yes. All of that works. Okay. Lovely. <laughs> um, yeah, we'll put all those links in the show notes. Yes. Well, we really appreciate the impact you have on the collective heartbeat of humanity, Morgan. Everyone that is touched by your work has an influence on those around them and so on. So there's a beautiful ripple effect that can't be measured. And what really matters most can't be measured very often. So thank you for reminding people that they are not alone. This is needed now more than ever. And thank you for being a bringer of light and hope. I think your dad said it perfectly when you were a child. God created you to create. And he said, I, and I can see, referring to the creation he was looking at, this is coming from your heart. So he saw it and felt it then. And I think he summed it up perfectly. Thank you. Thank you. I, I feel so bad because I feel like I'm giving so much silence on a podcast. No, please. <laughs> There's like beauty in the silence. <laughs> but I'm just really taking it in. I genuinely am. So thank you. Thank you so much for just, again, reflecting my own heart back to me. I, that's what those words were for me. So thank you. Beautiful. Thank you, Morgan. Thank you. Thank you to our entire team behind the scenes at GLOW. I'm so grateful for your care and commitment to serving our members around the world. Thank you to our teachers for so beautifully sharing your gifts and talents. I'm also grateful to our lovely community of GLOW members. You've supported us since 2008, and because of you, we get to continue to do the work we love. It's the combined support of our team, our teachers, and our community that grants me the privilege to continue to bring you the GLOW podcast. Thank you to Lee Schneider at Red Cub Agency for production support. And the beautiful music you're hearing now is by Carrie Rodriguez and her husband, Luke Jacobs. And remember, Take care of yourself because our world needs you. Thank you for coming on this journey with me. You can find the Glow Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or glo.com slash podcast, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. I'm Derek Mills. Mm -hmm.